listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. Well, here we are, Andy. Episode 14 of the Dudes we and are. Dads podcast. Yeah. And this this is going to be a first. We actually have a remote guest on with us tonight. And Andy, yeah. the power of technology that you harness in these episodes, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a force to be reckoned with. And uh, we're super excited uh, for the guest yes, that we have yeah. on this evening. But uh, as always, we like to start off with a few thank yous because we've got, we have a community of support, Andy, that, uh, well, I, I am awfully fond of, to be really yeah. honest with you. Uh, so we just want to say a big shout out to our, uh, our, new, our new Patreon member, Mr. James Kennison, who is over at uh, what has become a favorite of mine and my family's. And, and mine, too. You, yes. you turned me on to this oh, podcast. That and- story show uh, podcast, as well as Red School Bus, uh, James is I'm just going to say it. he's a podcasting hero of mine. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> I'm going to say it. He is. And uh, we're so grateful to you, James. So big shout out to you. Thank you for your support uh, in in so many ways. Uh, you're you, Whether you know it or not, it feels like you're really cheering us on. So we appreciate it, man. Right. Thank and you we, so much. we love the show. If you want to check it out, thatstoryshow.com. It's oh, a great yes. kind of clean comedy story show. It's a lot of fun. We, so. we put it on uh, at nights to uh, put our kids to sleep, actually. And it's not because it's boring. It's just it's like a... It's just pleasant listening, I guess you could say. So yeah, um, Andy, uh, here we are, episode fourteen. We got a lot of first tonight, uh, just uh, doing this thing with a remote guest. But uh, I would just love it if you could introduce our guest. Absolutely, to us. absolutely. So tonight on our show we have uh, Dan Cole. Dan's a friend of mine. He's also a fellow podcaster. So uh, Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so, and welcome to be our our first remote episode. We're glad that the technology worked. (laughs) Yes. But, uh, Dan, uh, I've I've known Dan for a little while here. Uh, We used to do this thing called, well, we do this thing called geocaching. I don't know if I've talked about it much on the show, but um, I've not done it as much as I used to, but I used to be a podcast host for a geocaching show, and um, Dan was a fan of the show, and we've met, I think in real life, like one time, right, Dan? Are you still there, Dan? Yep, I'm oh. here now. You <laughs> cut out there for a minute. Oh, I did. Our internet uh, came unstable, I think. Um, so, yeah, we were uh, we met in real life like one time, right? Is that yeah. the case? Yeah, yeah so. I think so. In one of the many uh, cross-country moves for me, it just happened to line up where you were also on the road and cross paths and, and actually got to meet in person. So we wanted to talk to you a little bit tonight because uh, you are in the army, and so we wanted to talk a little bit about what that looks like being a dad uh, and a parent in in when you're away from your kids and stuff like that. But first, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, like uh, you're currently living in California, but tell us about a little about growing up and, and joining the army and stuff like that. Yeah, so I am currently in the army, uh, so I will be celebrating my 16th army anniversary here in the next year. Uh, so uh, I've got a little bit of time in, um, but I had never, I never had any intentions of actually joining the army. Uh, when you, if you were to ask me where I thought it would be uh, coming out of high school, I definitely would not have said in the military. Oh, wow. As a matter of fact, it was probably way outside. Uh, like one of the things I said I would not do, <laughs> um, but turns out college is really expensive. Uh, so that was, a way for me to help subsidize the rest of my education. Um, and 
turns out after a while, I realized that I really like it. Um, and I seem to be doing fairly well at it. Uh, so it's, it's really morphed into, you know, kind of like hosting a podcast. I had no idea where it would take me, but here we are. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> yeah. So I, in terms of podcasting, I, I host the four by four podcast. Um, and I've used that background. Now I'm helping to produce content for the U S army, uh, in terms of, so I'm currently a coach, uh, for a, you know, the support battalion in terms of army background, uh, the, the brigade combat team is the primary war fighting, uh, organization. Uh, and within that team is the support battalion. And so I'm a trainer for the support battalion right now, awesome. but I've had background, uh, all the way from the platoon level, all the way up through, um, being a company commander and battalion XO and, you know, doing operations stuff, uh, in both deployed environments uh, and, and training in a lot of different countries. We'll just leave it at that. It's a lot of different countries. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about, about your, your marriage and your family life here. Were you, when you married uh, your wife, Stephanie, were you guys, were you in the army at that point or were you married first or how did that work? No. So we got married in college, uh, which was extremely difficult. Uh, we, we probably, Fortunately, we were both music education majors, and so we got to see okay. each other a lot just in the educational setting. Uh, we got to work together on projects, and it really worked out well, uh, which I think was foundational to being, you know, I, you know, she's not just my best friend, but we are a great team. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we, we certainly help each other. You know, we came, I, for instance, just tonight, I came home a little bit after she left. Uh, she is at a, a spouse's coffee, and she is helping get other army spouses more involved in, in everything. That's awesome. Uh, so we tag team on taking care of kids and, uh, and that's just kind of been how it's, how it's worked, uh, for our entire marriage, uh, which is, you know, like I said, we've been married longer than we've been in the army, which is <laughs> kind of unusual. Most people, yeah. uh, marry into the army, but she had a vote. She could have said, you know what? I don't think this uh, army thing is going to be for us. And I, I definitely would have changed course, but she really loves being an army spouse. Awesome. Uh, so let's talk a little bit then about your, your kids. Uh, so you're, you've got three, how many kids do you have? I got three kids. Awesome. Oldest is 13, uh, Aubrey. And then I've got Brooke. Uh, she is 11 right now. And then CJ is five. Uh, so that's, a little bit of a gap, um, but all of them have experienced that being deployed. <laughs> so, gotcha. So, they may not remember it, but they've they've experienced it. <laughs> so, what does that look like? Let's talk a little bit about, <clears throat> excuse me, about that, because uh, obviously that's going to present some challenges for you being a parent, uh, both you being a dad, but as well as your wife being a essentially a a single parent while you're gone uh, or, or not. But how how did you guys deal with that? And was there any any way that you guys still were kind of a touch base where you were going or how did, how did that work? Yeah. So, uh, my first deployment was more than a decade ago, uh, where the internet was still not super readily available in combat zones. It was a challenge. I was, uh, four months old when I left okay. for 15 months. Uh, so, you know, she, when I came home and she was 18 months old, she thought dad was a calculator because my wife had a Blackberry and that was the most, oh, the closest thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was a little bit of a challenge. Um, Brooke, let's see. So 
Um, so she really didn't experience as much of my deployment life as, as Aubrey did. Um, but she was a month old when we went to Korea and she's had to deal with, you know, learning Korean as a first language essentially because she was in a, a Korean preschool. Wow. Um, and then CJ, he was actually, uh, I came home on a very small window for the R&R, the rest and recuperation. And I was able to be there just a day or two before he uh, was born. And I think he was, I think he was 10 days old when I left uh, again for another couple months. So it, it's been tough and countless exercises and, you know, just other deployments. Um, you know, I had a, a four month long trip to a bunch of Southeast Asia. I was in Australia for a while and Japan and Korea and Thailand all on a single trip. Oh, wow. Uh, so that was kind of a long trip, but you know, kids, uh, they all definitely remember that. Um, what, what does so, it look like to prepare them for leaving? Is there, if you guys like, is there a way that you can kind of, uh, till the ground a little bit ahead of time or how do you guys think about that as a, as husband and wife and preparing the kids for, uh, for you being away? Yeah. So there's definitely ways to do that. And you have to consider, uh, the, the kids ability to understand time when you're talking about that, when you're trying to explain to a, you know, a one year or a two year old or a five year old that I'm going to be gone for, uh, two weeks, uh, versus nine months or a year. It, it definitely resonates differently with them because they don't have the same understanding of time. Right. Uh, so right now in my current job, uh, I'll be gone for one or two nights at a time in general. And so I'll make sure to tell them ahead of time, hey, these are the nights that I'm going to be gone, but they're not going to get a calendar. They don't care. All they know is when I'm leaving in the morning, I can say, hey, it's Monday right now. I will see you Wednesday night if gotcha. you're still awake. Otherwise, Thursday morning. And being able to frame that in terms that they'll understand. Uh, and now, you know, my oldest being 13, she's got a pretty good understanding of time. She right. understands what that looks like. But even still, like, it's hard. Um, the short trips are, are almost more difficult. Uh, if I come home for a short period, it, it's just enough to disrupt their rhythm before I leave again. Uh, and that's how a lot of trips have been. So, And sometimes sure. those longer trips are a little little more easy because it gives them a chance to settle into a rhythm, uh, develop that new, new normal uh, and get used to that before me coming home and, and disrupting that. Right. Do you so. find that like, as far as parenting goes with you and Stephanie, like when you're gone and, and out of those rhythms where you're gone for short periods of time that your, your kids may have a tougher time, like taking that same, um, like for, for instance, like when I'm home all the time, like we work in a team and things like that. So it, it, is it hard for your kids to see that there's like a team going on when you're kind of in and out daily or how does that work for you guys? Oh yeah. Like I said, it, it's real disruptive and it's sure. hard to do parenting by telephone. Oh yeah. You can't just like here, hand the phone and <laughs> dad's going to yell at you over the phone. Cause <laughs> really, that means nothing. I, I've been wondering though, if there's like, I, I said, I'm calling your father. Like I'm, I've wondered if that has, uh, if that's happened before. <laughs> yeah, it, it may have, uh, I don't remember it being super effective, so it probably didn't happen much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. 
so obviously technology has played into a huge part because um, you know you've been able to talk on on phone and and FaceTime and and video chats are you know great um, now in these in the recent years. Uh, was there any certain technology specifically that you used or did you do something like uh, maybe like record something for them? I mean, obviously you're an audio guy too. You do podcasts also. Um, was there something that you like maybe recorded for them or how did you stay in touch when, when you were away and did you get a lot of time like daily time with them or was it like, how did that work? Yeah, the time is a tough one. Uh, not just because, you know, during those deployed and exercising environments, I'm extremely busy, but also the, the, t- time zone. So when time is available for me to call may not be uh, the best time to call. Uh, and so gotcha. working that out is, is tough. So being able to record just like quick messages and send them mm-hmm. has been very helpful. Um, one of the things that I think has been done for each of the deployments that I've had, uh, the USO does, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like a, a reading program where you can go and get a book and sit down in a corner of some room and record, like video you reading the book. That's cool. Uh, and then you can package it up on that DVD and put the book and the disc in the mail. And then when the kids receive it, they can play the disc and actually watch me reading to them. Uh, and that I know has been something that's very special to them because my kids still have those books and they every now and pull them out. You know, it's you know a book that I gave my uh, oldest ten years ago. Maybe not as as big a deal, but you know something that I gave CJ when he was less than a year old. It's still a kid's book. He's right. still learning to read. It's still relevant, and so he likes that one, uh, especially. That's that's cool. Uh, now, how how exactly does that affect your like your marriage too? Not so not just parenting, but like how did you and Stephanie like stay close? Like I know that on busy times for Julie and I, you know, like when our schedules are super busy, uh, it feels like we're, you know, farther apart from each other, even though we're physically in the same place. How did you and Stephanie, when you were physically, you know, in a a different place, how did that work for you staying connected and and close like that? Yeah, that's, it's tough. Uh, There's no way to describe it other than it's tough. We we do try to, um, you know, just send short messages back and forth, you know, little updates on like, hey, this is what's going on. But um, a lot of times, you know, just based on the nature of my job, I can't necessarily share everything that's right. happening. Um, and there's been periods where like, it is no kidding, a blackout on communications. Like you just can't send anything. Um, and then it was, that's the unfortunate thing. Like it's been years now after the fact and, you know, we'll be talking about something and I'll realize, oh yeah, I didn't tell you about oh, that time when I had rockets uh, getting shot at us or I was getting shot at a helicopter. Like those are the things like I forgot. I didn't actually tell you those things. And um, like I, after that amount of time, I fully processed everything and I'm mm-hmm. fine with it, but it's new information for Stephanie right. or, or the kids. Like they hear me casually talking about being shot at it. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess that's not normal for most people. Right. Um, which is kind of funny to think about it, but maybe that's just my uh, deployed <laughs> mindset at some point. Yeah. So, um, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm kind of, cur- I mean, I'm curious about this. I'm making kind of an assumption in terms of talking about divorce rates amongst those that are in the military. Um, cause I'm going to guess it's, I, I don't know, higher than national average, equal to the same. Um, do you have a sense on that? So, uh, 
You know, it's funny. I just came home from a, they call it a strong bonds event uh, where the army chaplain corps, they host these events that help, um, help couples and help, you know, reinforce those relationships. Uh, and, you know, we, we go to the chapel and support the chapel program within the army whenever we can. Uh, so we got a pretty good relationship with all the, the chaplains and they kind of have the best read on the, on the situation in terms of statistics. And I think uh, based on what I've been told is that the divorce race in the military is about on average the same as the, okay. the U.S. Yep. You know, the demographic that's joining the military is a cross-section of the U.S. population mm -hmm. anyways. Sure. So it, it stays fairly the same. Uh, there definitely is a higher, let's see. So I, I've been told that the higher ranking individuals typically have, have been married for longer. Uh, and I think what that means, uh, what it means to me anyways, is that I cannot be successful in my job uh, without having a strong relationship with with Stephanie. Yeah. She is absolutely critical to my success. And it's everything, you know, it's not just, you know, she had a meal ready for when I came home. That's mm -hmm. something easy. Not, like having clean uniforms, if I'm, that allows me to just focus on the mission and taking care of soldiers and, mm -hmm. uh, and being able to stay focused on the right things. But I can't just ignore that fact. Uh, so, you know, I'll probably have her listen to this because I, I, <laughs> I try to thank her as often as I can, but it's never going to be enough. Yeah. Uh, the amount of effort that she puts into supporting not just me, but the entire army community and all those younger spouses. And it, it's, it's never enough. So thanks, Stephanie. Yeah. Way to go, Stephanie. Yeah. Um, cause I, I'm, I think that's the, uh, the interesting piece for you is, I mean, I, because that's new for me to think about someone in your position and to hear you say, uh, because of my wife, people under my command are being taken care of. They're like they have more of more of me because of the things that I, the the support that I'm I'm receiving. Uh, because I think there can be kind of this mentality of like, uh, you know, the rugged individualist, right? That you you know you're handling these things by yourself, and that you know you know wife is staying at home, uh, you know, cooking meals, doing laundry, taking care of kids and you're, and then, and that's her sphere. And then you have your sphere over here. But what I really hear you saying is, is that she's actually empowering all of these things to go well. Yeah, that, that is absolutely the case. Uh, I learned many years ago, uh, I don't know who developed the model, but, uh, it doesn't get talked about enough, but it's, it's referred to as the comprehensive soldier fitness, uh, and so it, you want to make sure that the soldier is not just emotionally fit, uh, emotionally sound, but also mentally sound, physically resilient. You want to make sure that the family life is is good because that really encapsulates the whole soldier. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, if somebody is an outstanding, they can do a million push-ups and pull-ups and run a two-mile in nine minutes. Uh, but if if they can't if they can't go home without kicking the dog through the front door and punching their wife, like that is not an effective right. soldier. Correct. They're not. We yeah. They're not gonna, yeah. So yeah. that, that comprehensive approach uh, to ensure the whole soldier is ready to deploy and uh, go fight and win our nation's wars is important. And, and you can't take care of the family members uh, by yourself. Uh, so that's, you know, that's why I lean on Stephanie to be able to help me 
relate because I can't, you know, think like a spouse necessarily, right. uh, but she can help me think through those through a different framework, a different understanding, different perspective. Uh, so that helps me as a leader. Sure. Now let's shift a little bit. Uh, you know, you mentioned that you were uh, deployed and separated from your family for a while, but then you also, you know, I, I've, I've seen you guys move around, you know, lots and lots of different places. So what's that look like? And this applies to a lot of people, not even just, you know, I know, for instance, my sister and brother-in-law, they move around a lot for his job too. Um, just, you know, he's in, he works at 3M as an engineer in 3M and he moves around a lot too. So like, what's that look like for you being a parent and how, how do you guys work with your kids as far as like new friendships and, and having to move again? Like, does that, I'm sure that that affects your kids. But but how do you how do how do you deal with that as far as making sure that they um, are taken care of and and are um, not just like ripped apart from from friendships that they have been building uh, with their friends? So uh, it's tough and it gets more difficult as they get older. Um, you know, young kids they make friends pretty easy. Friends come and go, and and they don't even think twice about it. Um, and, you know, memories aren't super solid when they're real young. But as they get older, uh, those relationships with their friends become more meaningful. Mm -hmm. uh, they have fewer friendships that are going uh, to get as deep. It's a real challenge. Um, so when we left Alaska to come here to Southern California, that, you know, we lived there in Alaska for three years. That was the longest we had been mm -hmm. in any one location in the 15 years previous. So. Here we are, uh, 15 years in the Army, we've moved 10 times. Wow. So the relationships that we built there in Alaska were, were really the strongest that our kids have ever formed. Um, and we also decided that, you know, Alaska is going to be our home. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we heavily invested in the community and made some really tremendous friends. Um, and so when we pulled that away from our, our uh, kids, you know, they have to understand there's some friends that, you know, even if we didn't move, they're going to move. Right. Uh, so it's it's not even just individual to us, but when we make friends with people who are outside of the military, or you know, one of our great friends, um, the Emmett family, uh, they're outside of the army now. He's uh, John, my buddy. He's retired, and they're still there in Alaska. Um, so us knowing that we were going back to Alaska, we continue to invest in that friendship. Uh, we chat frequently. Uh, you know, we call them on Christmas and New Year's and FaceTime, just like we do with our families. Um, and even we had, let's see, about a month break here recently. And we went back to Alaska. And, you know, it seems like you go visit family for a couple of days and that's kind of enough. Um, we spent two weeks basically living in an RV, traveling all over Alaska <laughs> with the Emmett family. And we picked up right where we left off and we left in just as good of friends as we arrived in. Uh, so you have to understand which relationships are worth investing in and which ones aren't. And that's, that's really hard to explain to a kid. Uh, so we, we try to use, Stephanie and I use our own relationships like, hey, yeah, we had some great friends before, um, but we don't talk to those guys as often. And, and helping translate that into kid language, uh, it's a challenge. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, like, you, I think you, as you said, you know, the older they get, the bigger the challenge this is, is and especially, you know, Andy and I both work. I, obviously we have, uh, we have young kids. Andy has a 
like oh, a teenager himself now. Uh, yes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I think about, um, but then also Andy and I both work with, with students. We're, you know, in, in uh, ministry roles. And I just think about the value of, you know, of community around our kids in helping helping form who they are. I mean, we're, we're both talking in faith formation and personal formation and all of these sort of things. And, um, you know, and I just, I just wonder, I mean, cause I, I, what I hear you saying is that these things are all, I mean, it doesn't get any easier. It's getting more difficult. Um, yeah. and I, I just, I wonder if you guys have talked about or how you guys have sort of strategized this, this idea of, meaningful community around them for the sake of them forming to be, you know, as well-rounded as possible, you know, uh, citizens, human beings, uh, you know, uh, all, all of that. Yeah, it's definitely a consideration. Um, you know, my, my kids are all involved in, in music. Uh, I try to get them involved in sports as best we can. Um, and, it, a lot of times it's just exposing them to new things and new people instead of like steering them away from stuff. Like, you know, I'm an avid off-roader. Um, some of the people that we cross paths with uh, in terms of off-roading and racing community are not necessarily the same people that we cross paths with in a church scene. Right. Um, sure. But, you know, we have to explain to the kids like, hey, these may not be the same people that we normally hang out with, but you know, we have a duty to, to be God in their lives and right. show them, yeah. you know, the Christ love. And, um, we can't just hide ourselves away. Somebody has to go talk to these people and show them what a good relationship looks like. And when we can go out as a family and participate in these kinds of things, despite everything else that's going on, the fact that we have to move all the time and build new relationships. Uh, I think that speaks volume. Uh, and then we reinforce that, you know, we are a team. Uh, at the end of the day, all these friends may change out. They may abandon you, but we're still the family uh, and we've got everybody's back no matter how things go. So, and, and I would assume too, that like that also be moving a decent amount of times has made your family grow stronger because you guys have to rely on each other. Uh, and, and you guys just make those memories because you, you have to. Sure. Yeah. We, we really, uh, value and protect those times uh, when we're moving um, because most of our moves uh, have been crammed inside a vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, I explained to them that, you know, us, all five of us and the dog fitting inside my <laughs> 1999 Jeep Cherokee, pulling a trailer uh, from Kansas all the way up to Alaska. That's a resilience building exercise. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It is. It's that the magic word uh, grit uh, is uh, <laughs> seems to come to mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you know, it turns out we enjoy camping and doing all that kind of stuff. But that time that we value sitting around a campfire uh, just before bedtime talking and hanging out, that those are the kinds of memories that uh, you know, I hope those are the ones that I, I value, hopefully kids value it as much as I do, but who knows? So the, the question I want to ask, and hopefully it's not a big existential question, but, uh, once you, uh, retire from the military, whenever, whenever that day is, what do you want your children to say about this experience that they've had? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, I was just attending a retirement ceremony, uh, 
for some soldiers just the other day. And that's kind of one of the things that I, I was thinking about. Um, and I, what I don't want is for the military to have defined me uh, in relationship with kids because, you know, like you said, the army at some point is going to be done with me or I'll be done with the army either way. Uh, but I intend on having my family at the end of that uh, and help have them around going right. forward. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, you know, the army not being the defining characteristic, um, but, you know, hopefully they can look back and see how I have affected uh, not soldiers' lives, but but people's lives. Um, because, you know, the, the army is just one giant machine, uh, a cog in the wheel. And if anybody goes down, the next man up takes over. So that's a thing. And so, you know, I, just like I'm training soldiers to do things better than I did when I was in their shoes, uh, I want my kids to be able to do things better than than I did as as a parent. And so trying to invest in those things is is pretty important. And the hard part is pausing on life long enough to like put a pin on it. Like this point is the important one right now. We got to remember this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, instead of just letting it blow by like uh, some Mojave sand blown into your <laughs> eye. Nice Mojave sand reference. That's solid. <laughs> That's a first. Dust in the wind. That makes sense. Yeah. To, makes sense to me. That's good. Yeah, because we literally live sandwiched right between the Mojave Desert and Death Valley. Oh man. Okay. So what town? What town? <laughs> town are you in? So not in a town. Uh, it is Fort Irwin. Okay. Which, if you look at the map, uh, there's Los Angeles and Las Vegas, and halfway in between is Barstow. Okay. Barstow is the middle of nowhere. Then you turn left and drive 30 miles <laughs> <laughs> because we literally are 31 miles from the highway. Gotcha. Uh, so if you want to go to Walmart, it is a 45 minute one way drive oh, if there's no traffic. Oh, oh man. boy. <laughs> Some days I wish I was farther away from Walmart, but in your case, that's uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Amazon Prime is, is still my friend. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet it is. Yeah. Wow, and when you come wonderful. from Alaska, you know, it was if you order something on Prime, it'll get there in a week if it comes at all. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I worked at the edge of civilization. I, a few years ago, I worked with a guy who literally uh, they were in, or were they, they were in, they were in Anchorage and they had a business where they were literally, they would go to Walmart, they would buy stuff. And then they would basically broker it through bush pilots and stuff. And that's how they made, that's like they formed a business of like flying stuff into oh, yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. So Sam's me. club, uh, closed all their stores in Alaska. Um, but when it was still in business, you could go buy all your stuff at Sam's and go to the back of the store. And then they've got the, the bush pilot delivery service. Wow. So <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I really appreciate you being on the, on the show tonight. It's for one, it's been a long time since we've connected. Like, you know, we used to chat a decent amount when I used to do my yeah. other podcast, but it's been a long time. And I, I really appreciate your insight into this topic of, of, of parenting when you're not physically in the same location as your as your child or even if you are, if you're moving around. So I really appreciate your your willingness to chat with us tonight uh, on these topics and your willingness to uh, to in a roundabout way. Uh, tell us how much you love your wife and uh, <laughs> that she's uh, the best thing since sliced bread. So also, Stephanie, way to go again. Way to go. Way to go. Yep. She's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she is. I've met her once the same time that we met, uh, that we met, we met like I was at my parents' house in Indianapolis. You guys were driving through and we met at a Cracker Barrel and had lunch together yeah. and it was amazing. So 
Yep. And, you know, we always look at opportunities whenever moving season comes around, we kind of look at like, okay, so who do we know in some of these different areas and who could we like reconnect with? And so there's really not a lot of army stuff going on around uh, Indiana, but it is one of the places we look at like what's yeah. available out there. Yeah. More than corn. We assure you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Before we let you go and then wrap up the show, we always do what we call the dudes and dads pop quiz which is a random, like we just ask you a bunch of just random questions about life and so about who you are. So without further ado. Now it's time for the dudes and dads pop quiz. All right, Joel, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Go ahead. Perfect, Dan. Okay, here we go. What was your first car? It was a 1969 Dodge D100 pickup truck. Ooh. All right. Uh, My question would be, if you had to be a vegetarian for the rest of your life or live with 10 cats, which one would it be? Um, vegetarian. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Excellent choice. We're all in total agreement on this one. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like the cats, but I don't know that I could be a vegetarian for the rest of my life. All right, Dan, if you had to live the rest of your life with only... Eat the w- cats. Is that a thing? <laughs> oh, Ooh. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> only good cat's a flat cat, as I like to say. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see here. If you had to live the rest of your life with only one arm or one leg, which would it be? Uh, one arm. As long as I can still pull the trigger and run, I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm with you there. <laughs> All right. Um, what is your favorite color? Blue. Favorite sports team? Oh, man. I don't watch sports anymore. <laughs> I got so fed up with the NFL. Oh, uh, see, oh, there we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of there with you. So yeah. that's a no, no. Zero sports. What is your favorite? What's your favorite sport? So... You know, I played high school uh, soccer and lacrosse, and I played high uh, soccer in college as well. But um, I'm not—I'm not a very good spectator for sports. All right, favorite fast food restaurant? Um, oh man, he has to drive uh, forty-five minutes right. to find one. So. <laughs> uh, it's the the burrito place. Um, it's obviously not a real favorite. <laughs> well, there's like, Chipotle. let's just say Panera. Okay. I'm like, oh yeah, Chipotle. Chipotle. That's what it is. Bingo. Yeah. Yep. All right. Nailed it. Good answer. Nice job. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What's my final, what's my final question? Uh, I can know what you normally do. Well, I, I always like to go because I, always, I like to get a little mushy and a little sentimental. And so I always like to ask, uh, what your favorite love song is. Um, oh boy. Obviously, don't listen to enough music either. I listen to <laughs> any podcast. Um, totally fine. So it was the well. I should be googling this right now. I don't know something. Brian Setzer. I, I like big band stuff. Oh, All right. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. And my last question is: Where was your first date with Stephanie? Oh, that was easy one. Uh, it was at the Boise Philharmonic uh, performance. Um, that is the uh, class. So both- that's the classiest, most cultured answer we have had yet. <laughs> right? Wow, Phil. There's more to the, the story. Harmonic. It was at the Philharmonic. Yeah. yeah. Since we're music education majors, one of the class requirements is that we had to go to the Philharmonic since it performs. I don't know if you hear everything falling <laughs> yeah. down behind me. That was like, a, <laughs> I thought usually that's what a cat does, but since we know how you feel about cats, uh, yeah, wasn't, maybe yeah. that was an earthquake. Oh, I don't know. fun. Yeah. It could have been. Um, but yeah, so we had to go for class. Uh, so class assignment, go to the orchestra, have a date. Wow. Done. 
Such cultured people we have on this show, Andy. Like, we do. Yes. We do. Wow. If wow. you only really knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, before we let you go here, uh, obviously we've said that you're a podcaster. If you want to plug your podcast, we'd be more than happy to have you do that. Yeah, Dan, tell yeah. us all about it. So uh, the 4x4 podcast is the longest running and highest rated off-roading podcast in the world. In the uh, world. Yeah, so Andy, you didn't tell rocks. me we had a celebrity on the show. <laughs> and, uh, well, I owe it to Andy because he helped me launch the oh, show. Beautiful. I, uh, I, I could not have figured it out without his help. <laughs> I, believe me, uh, I totally get you and I share a common bond of being completely lost without this man right here. <laughs> right. I think a technological nincompoop. There we go. Me. Joel came to me and said, hey, I want to start a podcast. I know that you uh, know how to do that. And so we did this. Make thing. this happen for me, please. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, yeah. But the, the 4x4 podcast is consistently ranked in the top 10 automotive podcasts in iTunes. Um, it, it does extremely well. Uh, I also occasionally host the Overland Roundtable, uh, where I kind of bring together a panel discussion about um, overlanding, which is essentially is uh, snobby camping, car camping. Um, snobby <laughs> car camping. Uh, at least that's the the current definition. If you look up overlanding, it's super overplayed. Um, but then for the Army world, uh, for anybody that's interested in how Army sustainment and support operations go is the Aska Gold Miner, uh, which makes no sense unless you knew that the Gold Miner team was the sustainment coaches here at the National Training Center. Okay. So the premier training location for the U.S. Army Brigade Combat Teams. Great. Well, thanks again for being on the show here tonight. And um, we, we know being our first remote guest. So we really appreciate that. It's gone swimmingly. It's like rocket science, but not. <laughs> well, uh, uh, thank you guys also for supporting this show. Uh, if you want to support our show, you can join our wonderful Patreons at dudesanddadspodcast.com slash support. Uh, they help keep our lights on here. And we always like to remind you to go over to dudesanddadspodcast at gmail.com with show ideas, responses, uh, or just love letters, too. That's great, too. Love a good love, <laughs> love letter. I don't know that we've ever got those, Joel. The time is now, Andy. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, guys. We will see you all next, uh, two weeks from now when we have another episode. Until then, guys, grace and peace. <laughs>